Welcome to season two of the First Prez podcast. Last season was titled Gathered and Sent. It was all about our purpose and mission, being both gathered as the church to equip and encourage one another and sent to be the church in our neighborhoods, schools, and workplaces. This season, we're focusing on the five values that guide all of our decisions as a church. We believe that we are called to be disciple-making disciples of Jesus, who are biblically literate, spiritually formed, mission-focused, and gospel-fluent. So welcome to season two, Values and Direction. Chad and Mark and I have been preaching for a while now on what it means, what it looks like, what it feels like to be a disciple who makes disciples. And these are the values of our church. And last week, Chad went through having everyone speak it together. So I thought I would do that again because we're going to keep saying this. It's going to be good for all of us to know this. And so let us all say together, let us all kick off this sermon together that we indeed are disciple-making disciples who biblically literate, spiritually formed, mission-focused, and gospel-fluent. Gospel fluency is what we're going to talk about today. At First Pres, we are simultaneously the gathered church, gathering here, sharing, learning, writing God's word on our hearts. And at the same time, we are the sent church, never more so than right now. We are the sent church. And so as we go out from this place and out from our homes and out from our Zoom studies and Bible study and Sunday school, we go out of the four walls of this church and spread the gospel as both the gathered and the sent church. So before I dive into God's word for us today, let us all join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, masterful God, majestic and mighty, I pray that you will speak through your holy word to us in ways that we may have never heard before, we may have never considered. I pray that you will pierce our hearts and talk to us. And I pray that as we leave this place, we will talk to other hearts and share your word with others. It's in Jesus' strong and powerful name that we pray, amen. So today, as I said, we're going to continue in what it means to be gospel fluent. Last week, Chad made the analogy that if we were fluent in a different language, say Spanish, then we would pray in Spanish, we would think in Spanish, we would speak in Spanish naturally. The same is true with the gospel. As gospel fluent disciples, we would think in terms of the gospel before we spoke or before we responded to someone or before we took an action. And thinking in terms of the gospel affects how we speak to others and how we share that word with others. So I'd like to build on that. I'd like to go just another step further and aim for how gospel fluency touches on how we are reconciled to God, how we reconcile with others, 
and then how we share that message of reconciliation. The Apostle Paul wrote passionately about reconciliation to the church in Corinth. And so I'd like to read from that to you, his letter, the second book of Corinthians, chapter five, verses 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So to give this passage a little context, I need to share with you some things from my good friend, the Apostle Paul. More than anyone else in the Bible, I identify with Paul. I resonate with the word that the Holy Spirit gave him. Paul is snarky and sarcastic, so am I. And Paul's blown it big time and been redeemed by God our Father. And I've blown it in ways you can't imagine and been redeemed by God our Father. Paul speaks the truth in love and God calls me to do that too, a, a truth-ing, if you will. So for context, when Paul says here, we regard no one from a worldly view, that we once regarded Christ in this way, we have to remember, like in Beth's story for us, a time when Paul was persecuting believers. And back then, Paul viewed Christ from a worldly stand. And he thought that Christ had rightly been put to death on that cross. But now, at the time that he's writing to the church in Corinth, now Paul knows the crucified Christ. He knows the risen Lord, the head of the church into which every believer is a new creation. And every believer is incorporated and received and welcomed and cherished. So at verse 18, when Paul writes, all this is from God, all this, this being made into new persons as a new creation in Jesus the Christ, all this is from our great God who reconciles us to himself. Our great God, our tender, loving, parenting God hugs us up, he squeezes us up and he says, it's gonna be okay. I know what you've done. I know who's hurt you, I know what retaliation you want. I know what you've said and I know what you've thought. I know more about you than you do about yourself. And I forgive you and I restore you through that forgiveness and I love you. I no longer hold your sin against you. Instead, 
I hold you dear to myself. The old you is gone. The new you is here. This divine reconciliation, this is nothing we can do on our own. This is nothing we can do for ourselves. It only comes from God through Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want you to think that reconciliation is the same thing as forgiveness. It's not, although it does involve that, and that is extremely important. But reconciliation is a process, and it has condition upon our attitudes and our actions as offenders or as enemies of God. And the goal of restoration is restoring a broken relationship. So having sinned and rebelled against God, we have harmed that relationship with him. And only God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ then can reconcile us and restore that relationship because we are a new creation. So God doesn't charge us with our sins. He doesn't hold that debt against us. Instead, God pursues us. He seeks us out to have a healthy and restored relationship with him. And when we surrender to God and allow that to occur, it changes everything and it alters us. In verse 18, when Paul writes that God reconciles us to himself through Christ, the next thing he writes is very important. He says that God gives the likes of us this ministry of reconciliation. In Greek, this word ministry is not just something that Mark or Chad or Roland or I can do. This ministry is all of us. The Greek word is diakonian. Diakonian means to wait at table, literally is the meaning for it. To wait at table, to attend someone as though you're a servant. In the biblical sense, for us as believers, just a little wider definition, it's the spirit-empowered service guided by faith and done with a willing attitude. So that means that we are Holy Spirit-empowered and guided by faith to serve others with a willing heart. All right, that sounds pretty good. I could follow up with Mark and I could go to the website and I could sign up for a way that I could volunteer. But reconciliation is more than that. Reconciliation is more than serving strangers that I may never see again. Reconciliation involves a sacrifice. Reconciliation means that I'm gonna have something more relational in depth and I'm going to give something of myself in order to restore a relationship. And that's gonna be more difficult than volunteering with a mission partner. These last few weeks, Chad has passionately preached from the prophets, the word that God has for us. And man, it was tough to be a prophet back in that day. And I can tell you as a pastor, it's tough to preach on that word in this present day. But one of the things that we learned is that biblical justice differs from the political justice or the social justice that we hear in the present day. Biblical justice 
is doing for others what God has done for us. And the Bible being God's living and breathing word is just as relevant today as it was for the prophets in the time of the exile. Biblical justice is doing for others what God has done for us. So when Paul writes to this church in Corinth and to us today, he says that God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. God has pursued us. God has squeezed us up and told us that what we've done will not prevent us from being with him. It will not prevent him from loving us and restoring that relationship we have with him. And he's given us this ministry of reconciliation where we are to practice biblical justice, where we are to do for others what God has done for us. Hmm. Are we willing? Are we willing to surrender our desire for revenge? Our grudge? Our pain? Our hate? Are we willing to surrender that and instead restore relationships with others? Reconciliation has several elements to it that I want to share with you. It has elements of truth, justice, forgiveness, healing, restoration, and love. And when we practice it, we honor God by surrendering our plans, our agenda, for his. We surrender our need to be right. So when we support reconciliation in ourselves and among others, it means working to overcome some elements. It means working to overcome division, differences, disagreements, revenge, retribution, and hate. It's a tall order. But we can accomplish it through Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do this. God calls us to do this. And if we're gonna reconcile others, if we're gonna share the message of reconciliation and love our neighbors as ourselves, then this means forgiving those who wrong you, even if they never ask for your forgiveness. And this may be such a difficult and painful task for you that you may have to ask God to give meaning to the words, I forgive her, I forgive him. That may be a necessary step for you before you can take the step of reconciliation with them. Not alone, with Christ, through the love of Christ, and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I've had to do this with people. I had to do this with a person who was Mike's boss for a time. This person was so deceitful, so spiteful, and at the same time would talk about the great things they'd done at church and all the people they'd served. <sighs> I had to ask God to put meaning to the words 
that I forgave them. And I had to do it a lot and for a long time. <laughs> but I'm at a point now and I could see it happening as God was working through me that I can hug this person and mean it. <laughs> and we can talk about God. And we can talk about the Holy Spirit. But gosh, there was a time when I just had such hate for this behavior. You know, Mike and I were close to everybody in that office and we knew some people who were not believers and they were so turned off by this behavior and Christianity if that's how Christians behave. What was the turning point for me was that I began to hate how I felt about this person. And I knew that I could not restore any kind of relationship without God's help. Now, I don't think this person ever knew that hate that I felt inside, but I sure think they knew when my attitude changed and when we were able to talk and when I was able just to accept them as the person that they are. A ministry of reconciliation means that we become Christ's ambassadors. Paul writes about this in verse 20. And there's this beautiful word for us in verse 20 that says, presbyuomen, presbyuomen. I may not be saying that right. But it's the root we have for presbyters and for Presbyterian. In biblical terms, ambassadors are respected as trustworthy and loyal and knowledgeable especially in the opinion of those they know or those they belong to. This is a personal relationship. When you represent Christ to people you know, people you belong to, and it's tough to do that if there's already a grudge or some heartache or a desire for retaliation present when you're called to share the message of reconciliation. So that's why I tell you to start with forgiveness. Forgiving our debtors as God forgives us. And I've spoken to you before about my own personal situation and how receiving God's forgiveness changed my heart forever. When I truly felt and received God's forgiveness, then I began to see that I needed to forgive others. I needed to cut them some slack. I needed to surrender my agenda for God's agenda. And it made me wonder, well, what if, what if my animosity somehow prevented them from hearing the gospel through me? What if I was wrong about them in my judgment? What if they had no earthly idea that they'd offended me or they were offending others or they'd offended God? Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 expresses these same kinds of questions. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news well, wouldn't I rather bring good news, a message of hope, than to be sitting in judgment that's 
not really my responsibility. Sharing the message of reconciliation is to tell others how God reconciled you to himself, how he didn't hold your sin against you, but that he held you. And because of everything that's, that God has done for you, you can have a new perspective on life. And because of how God sees you, you can see others through the lens of Jesus Christ. So appeal to others as though you are speaking to them God's word. God's using you as a vessel to speak to them. Making his appeal through us is what Paul calls it in verse 20. This ministry of reconciliation, ultimately it involves bringing others back to God. It means sharing the good news, the gospel. And to do that, we must be gospel fluent. We must know what we believe. We must know why we go to tell others that God wants to have a right and healthy relationship with them, that God wants to squeeze them up to himself and tell them how much he loves them. We are charged for our whole life long to proclaim this message of reconciliation, this good news that heals, that repairs, that restores that broken relationship with God and our broken relationships with others. My friend Paul writes, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Made in the image of God, we are representatives of the Christ. And as such, we are charged for, to help others become reconciled to the creator. The king over all creation made Christ who knew absolutely no sin, had committed none, had spoken or thought no sin. He became sin for the likes of us so that we might embody the very righteousness of God. In seminary, I was taught that we can assume God's righteousness but it's not ours. And Jesus can assume our sin, but it's not his. In carrying our sin on the cross, Christ made a way for us to be identified with God's righteousness, for us to be gospel fluent ambassadors, sharing the good news. So what? What do we do with this word? We, the reconciled, become reconcilers. We, the changed, the forgiven, the loved, we become ambassadors and agents of change, agents of forgiveness, agents of love, not just to those we love or those we agree with, 
but to all who need reconciliation. When you read this passage from my friend Paul and with gospel fluency, and you think of it in terms of biblical justice, doing for others what God has done for us, who comes to mind? Who needs to hear a word of reconciliation from you? Who are you so set against that the mention of their name dredges up everything they've done? I urge you to pray, to sit silently with your great God who is always ready and waiting to hear from you and just ask him to reveal to you someone who needs your forgiveness. Ask God to give feeling to those words. I forgive him. I forgive her. Do it as many times as you need for as many days as you need until you feel it and you feel that meaning behind those words. You will feel so much better in your heart. And then ask God to show you ways that you can be your new created self with them, letting them be God's new created child, reconciling them to him, reconciling them to yourself. Who do you know that's unlovable, wounded, hostile, impatient? Who needs to hear that God loves them no matter what? Who needs to hear from you in particular proclaiming the love of Christ so that they can believe, really believe that they are a new creation, that the old has passed? Isn't that the crazy message that our world needs to hear right now? And how is anyone going to hear this message if we do not proclaim it to them? In this world today, almost 2,000 years after my friend Paul expressed it, the need remains just as desperate. And the good news is still just as vital for our living the kingdom life. Amen. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Almighty God, I pray that you write on each one of our hearts the name of someone who needs to hear from us, who needs to know forgiveness and reconciliation and needs to find a way to you. Lord God, wrap us in your love, help us to sense that you forgive us, that you love us no matter what. That we are reconciled to you and we are reconciled to one another. And write that word, God, upon our hearts from my friend Paul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org. Our services are available on our website. You can also follow us on Facebook and find us on Instagram at fpc underscore kingwood. 
We'll see you next time.